And I'm your other host, Morgan. We are two sisters. By marriage. Who love to talk about stories. From writing fiction to creating elaborate plot lines in D&D. To creating campaigns that will wow your players. We're out, out of, of initiative. initiative. Uh, today we're talking about story structure. Building a story, writing a story that will wow your players. Both... Um, I mean, at the table, D&D, and like with narrative fiction, uh, obviously, uh, because we like to talk about both here. So, okay, look, I'm really bad about dropping plot hooks that I think are fun um, and not necessarily things that move the story forward. Like, I just like, oh, it'd be really funny if all those birds got that message at the same time. Like, so I'm kind of a little bit off the rails. Um, but I also really want the players to feel uh, like they have a ton of control over the story. So how do we, how do we meet in the middle? Like, I don't want to railroad anybody, but like, also like, it doesn't matter how many clues you drop. They're not going to get it. Like, love you, but you guys don't pick up um, clues and like story hooks all the time. Maybe that's a me thing. Maybe that's an us thing. Maybe it's a, it's like a little bit of both. Uh, so like, where do we even start as we're talking about like, Writing a story and keeping people engaged. I think what you're experiencing, every single DM on the earth experiences that, right? I mean, they talk about all the time. They, I've left these breadcrumbs and my players want to just go pet the dog. They don't want to go in yeah. the dungeon. And what do I do? And I can't give you a specific answer, but uh, I think if you have the right mindset that this is supposed to be fun and your players are having fun, then you're probably doing okay. You're probably doing right. Now, it's probably not progressing the story like you want it or as you would like it to go. And there's some techniques, I'm sure, that you could implement that I feel like with writing a story or writing a novel where you have, like, the pacing is slowed down. Um, and we've discussed this before about outlining <laughs> because otherwise yeah. you just write yourself into a corner, right? Or it's just going nowhere. Your characters are just treading water. They're just spinning in circles. And I'm sure as a DM, seeing your players do that um, is frustrating. And then your players feel it too. Like they feel like if they're not progressing um, and not just, we're not just talking like leveling up, you know, leveling up. Yeah, yeah. sure. You know, you're hitting milestones, that kind of thing. But overall as a character um, and the story itself, if they don't feel like it's progressing, they're going to get bored. And that's the last thing you want to have happen. Um, same with your reader. That's the last thing, because as soon as they're bored, they close the book. And that's the end of that. So um, I I feel like there's some things you can add to your sessions and the overall campaign. Um, and these are just techniques I use as a writer uh, when I know a part of my story either I've had feedback from another reader or critique partner that is just saying like, Hey, this slowed down. Or the biggest thing is I was reading this chapter and then I just skimmed this part and that's mm. just, Oh, okay. We need to do something about that. Cause whenever they skim, it's just wasted. Right. They always say like, right. You got to cut the extra fluff stuff. Um, so a lot of it with D and D you can't really just cut that. Cause it's like for the moment stuff. Um, and so I was, when we were thinking about this, I was trying to think back on like, um, what I've seen DMs either like streaming online or what I've seen in our campaigns that kind of starts moving things along. Uh, cause you don't, you don't want that stagnation. And, you know, they, I feel like 
you know, checking the bounty board is definitely something, Mm -hmm. you know, players do. But you could just have anything kind of unusual occur and kind of draw them that way. But with, with like writing, it's definitely have that um, time pressure. I think that's like the number one thing you could do that wouldn't make it feel like you're railroading your players. Um, if there's not necessarily like a ticking time bomb, but, and you could think like in our campaign, you know, you have 10 days till this event is happening. So then we can plan, like we want to do something else in between, but we know we got to get back for that. And I think that's great. Cause it gives you like, as a character structure of what we want to plan and do. And um, we're already looking 10 days ahead to the future. And I think that's great. Cause then you're not just getting up in the morning, like, what am I going to do? You know, what are we up to today? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you could do, you know, if, if someone as a cursed object, all of a sudden it's, it's increased its effects. And now they need to deal with that. And the only person they can deal with it is at this place where you want them to go. I mean, you can always drop those little things. Um, Time, you know, have a time limit, but you could also have um, anything like uh, maybe an ability they have, they no longer have. Uh, Love that. Because there's kind of a time on that too. Like how long do you want to not go without this ability? Um, You know, like my warlock without Eldritch Blast. What is she? You know, what is she without all this? <laughs> if that just went away for some reason, there would be a million questions. She would wonder why, what happened to her uh, patron? Uh, did she do something wrong? Is someone cursed her? I mean, it would just a million questions. Um, and the whole party would have to deal with that. So I feel like you could just, you could, you could add a little pressure in just one, one area and see where it goes. And if they don't respond to it, it's fine. Um, but I, yeah. I feel like that's something like in stories and books, you'd leave those little, like what do they say? Red herrings, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. leave those little, um, and I, I know there's that metaphor for that gun too. And I can't remember. Oh, leaving a gun on the table. Yeah. yeah it was like Chekhov's gun or something yes. where you leave it and everybody knows it's there. And so they're expecting it to have like be used. Right. So, I mean, that's, I think that's some stuff that you could implement, and not have your characters feel like they're being pressured into doing something. Because uh, they can still, you know, I like even without Elder's Blast, I can still do other things. <laughs> like, I'm not completely powerless. <laughs> and we've talked about this. She's got her charm. <laughs> she has other <laughs> abilities. I think that's the thing we've ran into uh, with, like, sometimes you feel like you're, you're powerless. You're you're put into a corner, your character is put into a corner and they don't know you as the person, as the player and the character don't know how to get out of it. And I think that's when your, your story really grinds to a halt and no one's having fun. Mm, Yeah, absolutely true. So something that happened uh, in a recent game, because you want that time element. I love that idea. And I think that's something that um, has helped me a lot as a DM, like between now and this date, uh, something's going to happen and you know the day it's going to happen and actually something as we're coming into this sort of like third arc here of um, the campaign that I'm running uh, I started to realize that like not putting you guys on rails by not having anything super linear it was just leaving too many options um, so what I decided to do was um, 
give you guys some clearer options. So there is an event coming up. And at that event, you can get something that will help you be stronger against this enemy that you've heard is in a specific area. Uh, and the party, and I even literally said to the group, like, okay, you have a choice that I would like you guys to consider and make, which is, do you want to, you know, the enemy, you know what they're capable of. You have a pretty good idea of what might be there. Uh, so you could go right now uh, and hope to catch them before they gain new information on you and become stronger. Or you can wait until this event where you can pick up this magic item that's going to help you do better. You can choose either of those. Or you can choose to say, like, saving the world's not my problem. And then the story is going to take a pretty dramatic shift as you guys just see the fallout of not taking on this major enemy um and in my mind i'm like i know what happens right there's point a and then there's point b and like whether or not you guys interfere is the only thing that influences the story so if you decide not to i know what that person i know what the villain's plan is so we can just roll with it and it helped kind of guide you guys a little bit and it ended up prompting the whole group to make i think we've talked about this before prompting the whole group to make a list of what they wanted to tackle between our current point in the game and the, uh, you know, this next time event, time bound event. Um, and it was amazing because now I can look at that list and go, oh, cool. I know exactly what matters to you all. You cared about this plot point and no one picked up on the fact that Grim Durkath's wife has been missing for seven to ten years. Like no one picked up on it. So great. We should move on and it shouldn't matter. Although, see, this is where I struggle because then I uh, she's stuck uh, on the ethereal plane and like has been for many years. And I was like, Oh, multiple members of the party have the ability to see into the ethereal plane. You guys check people all the time. Yeah. You're going to look, you're going to see that there's this lady there. She's going to be like, help. I'm stuck here. I've been here for seven to 10 years, which is like the time point that everything takes place in the story. Cause look, it was my first try. Okay. Um, so I was like, Oh, it'll be so funny that like you guys will look through and see her there. And then um, no one did anything. So time passed. I was like, I should probably drop this. And I was thinking about it the other day. And I was like, okay, her path would be she would have gone uh, here. And then she would have made her way back to where you guys are to try to, like, see if she can communicate more with you. Because you guys are the heroes that are going to save everything. Um, and somebody happened to look into the ethereal plane in the bar while you guys were there. So now it's, like, dropped this whole new, like, side story if you guys decide to pursue it. Um, which you don't have to. And it was just like, I wish I could, like, if I, as the writer, could focus a little bit more, I think that it would be more help. I think it would help you guys because, like, it, it can't be easy to decide which direction to go when you've got all these, like, random little threads coming out. So that's something that I'm really struggling with and I'm actually really actively working on. And then I can juxtapose that with the time-bound element that the players didn't even plan ahead for in... Um, in Isaac's campaign, so in the other campaign that we're playing in, um, the party returned to Fandolin, kind of our little home away from home for the time being, uh, to a huge fire that had broken out in town. We were like, we're going to get some R&R. It's going to be great. We had no real plan. And there were even comments within the group of, um, oh, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do next. I guess we'll return to the bounty board, right? A great tool. Uh, but when we get close, we see smoke and it's near some of the people that we care about. And so we come charging in and all of a sudden we learn that like someone else might be responsible for this. And now that we know who was potentially responsible, the party is really like called to action. And now we're like a week into the woods off trying to kill a bunch of people who started a fire. Like it's great. Like and that added a really um, tangible time bound element uh, and a really uh, like visceral enemy for like a like a goal for us to chase it was like okay these people are bad they hurt our friend they started a fire 
we have to take them out. We have to fix this. Also, that group is very like, like, um, like the himbos, like, <laughs> like they're just so, yeah, they're so like one track minded, um, and like classic video game characters. Mm, they like, kind of off are. we go. Yeah. I'll kill them. The door's ajar. I'll let myself in. And you're like, no, that's someone's home. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Smoldering town behind them. Like, all right, well, there we go. <laughs> Did it. I feel like you were saying you're giving too many threads. You have to understand, too, that in our instance, there's five players, five characters, all with different motivations, levels of motivation, uh, end goals, uh, choices. So if you're writing a book or a story, it's just the author. Yeah, there might be True. multiple characters, but it's still my voice. It's still my choice. It's still the character. You know, a lot of authors joke about the characters have control. They do a little bit, but I, you, I ultimately have control of what these side characters are doing or what these main characters are doing. And in D and D, you you just don't. And yeah. it, I think you have to look step back and think what do you have control of what do you have control of you have control of the world that you built or if you're using a book you know yeah. uh you have the control of the npcs and i feel like that's one of the biggest uh most important aspects of any campaign are the npcs because we talk about like role playing you role play so heavily with the dm in those instances. And then as a DM, you get to uh, interact and and drop those bits of lore or quest things, that kind of thing. The more interesting and unique your NPCs are, the more the characters are going to want to spend time with them. And in which case, question, uh, learn things, that kind of thing. And I feel like as a player, I tend to, you might, I don't know, you have to support me on this. I feel like I ask a lot of questions. I, I think feel it's like, great. I think you should ask a lot of questions. I feel like I'm always, how long have you been here? What do you do? What's your name? Uh, should we be afraid? Of, like, I feel like both my characters, I feel like I ask a lot of questions and I know a lot of the other players don't. They just don't. They're like, maybe ask the name and and then that's about it. They kind of just stand back and either just listen or just, just aren't invested in learning more about that. And I feel like the NPCs, and so if you think of it like in a story in a book too, that's what kind of pushes your character different directions. And there's always talk about you make your D&D character, they start at level one, and each time they level up, there's growth. Either their strength or they're making better decisions, like maybe they have a bad past and now they're kind of, you know, redemption. There's a little bit of an arc for your character. But I feel like... Yes, you can have that, but not everyone wants that, right? As a player. Right, true, yeah. Um, and to implement that satisfactorily is a very high goal. If you can, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's high yeah. because you have all these other components at play, the other characters at play, the whole world at play, bigger things at play. So if your character, the amount of growth from level 1 to level 10 or level 15, I feel like as a DM... Don't you don't need to really focus on that as much as the growth of the world around the character. So like the impact, yeah, yeah, the impact that character makes, it, the ripple effects because of that character, 
And one example I was thinking is, um, and this is all story arc structure. There's tons of like, uh, Brandon Sanderson's got a great one on this. Um, there's just lots of writing um, conferences that talk about this. We Everyone's very, very into that hero's journey. Yeah. Like arc, right? Yeah. And there are other arcs <laughs> in the world. Uh, shocker. It's not just what Joseph Campbell has to say. Like, there is more <laughs> I know. outside of Joseph Campbell. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, you, so with the hero's journey, you start out, uh, you know, they're, they're nothing, they're a normal person, they're average, right? And then throughout the story, they become here, they're here to here. And if you can think of your D&D character, if they start at level one or level three, or wherever you start, they're already above average. They're already oh, yeah. set. Yeah, right? So an example I think of is like uh, James Bond. Okay, he in his stories doesn't grow. Not really. Not really. True. He's super cool. He's great at shooting and capturing people. He says cool lines. He looks cool. He goes after girls, drives cars real fast. He doesn't really grow. Not much. You know, maybe he makes choices and it gets him in trouble. And then he has to like somehow get back in the good graces. But a lot of times he doesn't care. What is it? MI6? Is that what he works with? MI6. It's British, I right? Think, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking about, like, I guess he's, like, a little less sexist by the end, but, like, a little. <laughs> a little. A little. But he's still, from what he, like, the very first James Bonds until, like, he's, you know what I mean? So he's not growing or changing, not much, but everyone around him is. You know, the people in MI6 or, you know, they're so desperate to save these people or to find this lost diamond or whatever. And then he does it and they're just so grateful and they they just gives them uh, hope and belief that the there's justice in the world, that kind of thing. So it's like Superman's the same way. There's not a lot of yeah. growth with Superman. He just has cool powers. He saves things, saves. But think of like the innocent people he saves, like that changes their world. That changes their life. And he himself is just him. So if you can think of your players or your characters as kind of that way, um, I feel like you're going to get more because that's the ultimate goal is your your characters want to your players want to feel cool. They want to feel like yeah. they're making a difference in the world, that they have the power to change and shape their world. And that as I looped back around, that was a long way to get back. No, to we the made N it. We made it. <laughs> the NPCs. So yeah. that comes all the way back to the NPCs. So if they are interested, they feel either sorry for the NPC or this NPC is cool or or there's something funny about them. And then they feel invested to help them and they go and do whatever they need to do and come back. That satisfaction of job well done. I'm powerful. I'm using my ability for good or there along for money, <laughs> whatever <laughs> they're using their power for. Uh, I think it all comes back down to the, the NPCs, the characters that you are placing in front of them. Um, another one thing that I remember with like romance writing, they talk about um, there's romance story beats, the same, same thing. It's not hero's journey. Like there's a romance arc if you want to write a romantic novel. And it was interesting. This one author was saying, you have your main character, and say it's a female lead and there's a male love interest 
have her have a best friend go and go out and do something and have the best friend comment on the male lead's appearance or they say something funny or thereabouts. Have like a third party, not un- non-biased character comment on that because your main character's not really going to say that. They might say it in their head, but to have them say that out loud or mention it, it makes it three-dimensional. It makes it real. Um and it just exposes more of the world that this, oh, so someone else thinks this guy's hot too. Um, and then you can do it on the flip side too. Like have um, the main character's best friend say something about, oh, you're rocking that dress. Or I wish I had hair like you or or something and have that. Because your main character's not be like, oh, I'm looking, well, maybe they do. I don't know. I think most, that I support that. <laughs> I most, support a main character who's like, ding, we snatched today. I'm like, yeah. Them. But most of the time they don't. Um, and so have that third party. So with your NPCs saying, you guys are cool. You save the town. Like they're going to get that. <laughs> you don't do finger guns. I think be. finger guns are required now, actually. <laughs> Every NPC. <laughs> Every NPC is going to be like, Pow, hey man, how you doing? Here's your 50 gold. Thanks for saving yeah. us. Uh, yeah. So that's how else do they know? Right. I mean, how else do they know that they're shaping or changing the world if they're not getting that feedback? Yeah, I think uh, we talked about we touched on this like a little bit, I think, in a previous podcast episode talking about like uh, the party going through and giving like an ungodly amount of money to the resident, like the slum area of a teeny tiny little podunk town. uh, And then like coming back later and they like started a cult, like worshiping the guy who'd given them all the money. And it's just like a kind of fun way to say, like, you impacted the world. So the thing with the thing that's kind of interesting with NPCs is like they kind of uh, are a little bit of a tightrope act as a DM uh, in terms of like execution, because like for me, I get really attached to NPCs. You may have noticed uh, they tend to have little voices and little like silliness and like a little bit too much backstory that no one really cares about. Like, why did every single vendor at the weigh in have a specific backstory and like five to ten bullet points? Like, I don't know why I needed to do that. It was really unnecessary. You guys really glossed over them, like because it doesn't matter. Um, but just in case you guys were asking questions, I was like, yeah, he's from you know this area up north, the Star Mounts, and he's come through and he escaped his cl- like I don't, you know whatever so i get really excited about npcs and i uh i will like kind of put too much of the, i'll insert myself too much into the story and that is t- something that's really hard and then like i really have to actively think about especially when i have like um a main quest givers and like like in the beginning of the story there's like one main person you keep coming back to her and she's like the quest giver. That's how I'm going to run the campaign too, as well. Sneak peeks for you. Um, you're going to have a patron, like an actual person who's like, I need you to do this thing. Uh, I've seen a lot of campaigns run this way. I think it's a really nice way to bring a group together. Uh, and I have an idea, like, and I get really invested in these NPCs. So this is a really fun way for the story to move for me. Are you uh, saying like jo- one, like one quest giver? Yeah. Like one specific, well, I mean, like you guys are going to get quests from all kinds of people. But, but I feel like-, like you did that with this one. We had Elvira. We had like the one, she was kind of the glue for everybody. And she was the glue. She kind of like brought everybody back together. It was fantastic. But yeah. she'll be, we're going to do like a proper patron in the next step because the, oh, okay. because Elvira like has too much information for her own good. <laughs> and she's like a little bit like, I keep, I keep waiting for you guys to be like, is she actually good or is she bad? Because like she knows way too much. Uh, and I think it's great. I think it's a hoot. I love it. 
Um, but in order to not like insert myself so much, I try to like pull back at least a little bit, like leave a little bit of room for the players to ask questions. But then when we get a player like you, who's in there, like, tell me about your life. I want to know, like answer all, like, I want to ask some questions. I want to know what you're about. And then it's like, it's so exciting for me as a DM. Like I love like getting into that. Although sometimes they're not planned and I'm like, his name is Mervin and he is an awakened shrub. And like, I can't give you anything more than that. That's what I've got. Like, um, so yeah, it's just kind of like, it's a fine line because I want them to have these like rich stories and I want the world to feel alive as these people are moving around within it and like people are taking office and stuff is happening and like I've got a big timeline and like it doesn't always impact the story and the party doesn't always impact what's happening and like that's really hard too because I want you guys to leave a mark wherever you go and I also like you're level nine like don't get too big for your britches you're not like changing the world yet like easy okay uh so it's kind of a balance there because I know the group wants to feel powerful who doesn't and uh they want to be like I have this great ability and I impact the world that I'm in and sometimes it's like who, who are you again? Like, I don't remember you. Uh, and I think that there's like kind of a nice balance. Although you guys were recently fighting a major enemy that um, the party multiple times was like, I don't think they know who we are. Like they, they sent an assassin to you. Like they know who you are. Like now they really know who you are. Cause you did just show up and then like infiltrate the crypt. And now they're, that's a whole thing. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of give and take. It's definitely a balancing act that we wouldn't be doing so much if it was, like outside the table like purely narrative i think uh it's a little bit easier to balance i mean but i guess it also happens in writing right like i have a side character that ended up being kind of a bigger deal than i expected and now they're kind of a major point in the story do i rewrite the character to fit better within the structure or do i rework the structure to make more sense around this character i've definitely done that before like have a side character get really attached and then like well she's getting a short story like time for a spinoff yeah, yeah, I've done that where I've had, yeah, the side characters supposed to have very small influence and then they end up being a big part of the whole story. And I love it. And I, you know, yeah. outlining, they say, don't, you don't have to, it's not concrete. It is, it is just the bones of your story and your campaign that you're created should be that same way. It's just the bones. Yeah. Uh, the characters will make everything else part of it. Uh, as far as like, the NPCs, not, you know, us not questioning or that kind of, I feel like there's, you could reward the players when they do something. I don't want to say right, but what if we pull on a thread that is the correct way? Give a little reward. I mean, how else are we supposed to know? Or how are you supposed to know? Or, and then vice versa, give a little punishment. So I think when you're writing a story, it's the same way. Your character has been mad at their best friend the whole time because of something silly. They finally swallow their pride and go talk to this, their best friend. And their best friend gives them the best advice that they need at that time. Or, oh, you need help with this? Well, I know this person. Like, it's that reward to the reader. And the character has finally grown and made a choice they need to get rewarded for that. There needs to be, and it can be small, but it needs to be obvious that they're on the right path. That that the the gold, the golden brick road has kind of appeared, like oh, like a little crumb. This is the right way. And so, and as far as rewarding, indeed, I mean, I don't know, magic weapons, yeah, gold, yeah, uh, armor, but even just like, 
I don't know, NPC. Hey, I heard you took care of those bandits. Drinks on the house. You know, something just like a little bit of a reward that, oh, okay, we're doing the right thing. This is the right way. Um, or And then vice versa, like, oh, you get in trouble. So, okay, I want to talk about this more because I at first thought you meant that, um, like, uh, hello, Darfin, I heard you run the portals in the R Deep Wood. Um, tell me more about the portals. And he's like, oh, well, I've actually been a portal keeper for. And then he, like, goes in, in my mind, if the players pull the right thread, the reward is uh, the character, the NPC will spill a lot more information. Like, maybe yeah, yeah. give more and kind of, like... But some people, like we have a player in our group that sometimes would be talking to an NPC and they'd be like, Oh, well, yeah, you know, I started selling drugs because I lost, you know, my family. He was like, Oh my God, I don't care. Why does this guy keep opening up to me? So for him, it was like, I pulled the wrong thread punishment. And I really was about like, I need to gauge the NPCs based on how the character wants to, the player wants to interact because that, as that character, he, uh, he's just like, no, this character doesn't care about, like the side people he just wants to do what the group wants to do and like maybe go get some drugs like you know <laughs> yeah yeah but. and again your characters players motivations are all going to be different uh so i'm not you know being a dm is hard it's really hard because each of your characters each of your players are going to want something different a reward is different in my case an npc spilling something really important a, a puzzle piece uh some sort of knowledge or lore. Oh, that name. I know that name. Oh my gosh. It's the best feeling, right? So I'm so glad that I talked, stopped and talked to this person. I'm going to continue doing that if I, you know, or I'm going to follow up with this other person. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pulling that thread. I'm going to keep going. Uh, so yeah, in my case, I, I suppose a new weapon is nice or money is nice, but that is the biggest thing with me. And I think it's just because I, I like reading and I like stories. And, and so I like to know more about the stories, but uh, yeah, determining what uh, your characters at your table, your players at your table would find as a reward. I mean, that's just the ultimate challenge and, and goal. Um, but it, and you know, it, it defers from table to table, campaign to campaign, character to character. So um, you just kind of have to, <laughs> I, I know like as a DM, you're like going and going, but like the note taking, if you can like just do little notes like, oh, so-and-so was interested in meat pies, you know, just put a little note in there. And so um, I think, you know, the more notes you can keep and draw later um, to kind of reward if they do pursue the right path. How else, how else do you know, right? So then conversely, mm -hmm. when you're talking about punishing a player, this mm -hmm. is where I think things get a little sticky because as the DM, I sure hope you guys are invested in the story that I've drafted and I want you to go in a specific direction or choose at least one of three directions that I have planned um, that I'm like prepared for. Um, but I do know that some DMs have, very, have a very linear path that they hope the players will travel on and the punishment is more like... Um, you know, ending up uh, unable to take a long rest or getting cursed or uh, having demons visit you in your sleep. 
that's a bad example. Those were really that last one was really fun when that happened um, in Isaac's game. <laughs> I was gonna say I would kind of like that actually. That one, no, that one actually was a hoot. That was a great time. Um, but like, it can definitely feel um, more like punishing the player than punishing the character, and that's kind of tough. So we had like kind of a sticky area that I I want your input on. Uh, really recently, la- not last Sunday, but like three Sundays ago, the last uh, plushie session that we did, when uh, your character um, was trying to get more information out of what you presume to be a big-ish bad, uh, Amalia Castellanter, mm-hmm. uh, she were saying like, oh, let me help you. And then she began, you began to cast some magic thinking you would lift any curse that she might be on. Mm-hmm. So you tried to cast remove curse, but her husband's standing right there thinking that you're casting magic on her. I was. Uh, I re- <laughs> I, you was. were. Yeah. I, I reread the section Specifically, it says that if she falls below a certain amount of hit points, he would banish her to safety. But in the moment, as I was remembering it, I was like, I think he would banish you to try to get you to stop so he could try to control the situation. I want to reward you as a player for this really interesting action because like, w- like what a fun way for the story to develop, but I need to punish the character for attempting to do magic against someone con- without consent. Um, and so we ended up in this like really sticky spot where the party was in this fight and you were banished and that guy could not fail the save. He was, he was, so, I was rolling so hot. And then like the following session ones for the entire, I like, come on, man, throw me a one. I would love the player to come back so you can participate in this combat. Yeah. But like, it feels like such a, such a difficult like thing to navigate. And in the moment I had asked you, like, do you have a backup character? Because I think something might happen here and I want to gauge how you feel. And later Isaac had pointed out, he was like, I think if you ask a player something like that at the table, like you're really putting them on the spot. And I don't think that's very fair. Uh, so I'm, I'm still thinking through that kind of bit too, is like, what's that like code phrase of like, I can see what I think would happen here and I'm worried it's going to ruin your fun. So I want to pause and say, how do you feel? Yeah. Um, No, I think that's great. If it's ruining, if you feel like it's going to ruin fun because you of the person, the person, not the character, then you definitely just need to talk out out of, out of game. Um, You need it. I think that was great call. Yeah. I think it was great. And we did end up like, you know, bringing her back like, right afterwards I, I i did force a fail yeah i rolled like twice as many as i needed and then eventually landed on a fail and then was able to bring her back i was making him make he has like three hit points i was forcing him to make con saves on every turn uh as he's like in deep pain and carrying his dead wife or whatever so um and then he did fail and and i like i did i fudge it yeah absolutely in order to like roll more times to like get to that point but like i really want like that was how i wanted this to go is like i really wanted you back in the game because there's no reason for you to be on another plane just because it's your home plane and you weren't going to come back um details details matt mercer said this when a certain character uh passed away in campaign two uh there has to be stakes there has to be some stakes so i made a bold choice as a character knowing that these like bads that we were against were pretty powerful. So I love <laughs> the consequence. I mean, I, I would have loved a different consequence, but I love that there was a consequence. It, it, it's, I, I put in an action and I got a reaction and it was great. It was great. And I, I'm, I was totally fine sitting out. I think it adds, we discussed to the drama a little bit. If it does you have, add to the drama. 
a character incapacitated for a while, it adds it adds the drama. And I could see I had I could see everyone else's video, and they were stressing, and they you could tell they were kind of kind of going through their turns a little quicker than they normally do, and and they were kind of they were trying to figure out things, and it just added a little bit of stress. And uh, you know, I, I think that was great. I think that was great. I can't speak for every player. Um, I know I've been in circumstances, encounters uh, with a character that was frightened, and I had to make wisdom save after wisdom save after wisdom save for three hours or two hours. That was pretty session, frustrating. Yeah. That was frustrating as a player. Uh, I feel like if there was any option to get out of that, I I, I was tapped. I didn't have any choice. And I feel like that's where you start, not, not I wouldn't say railroading, but it's that powerless. Whenever, mm. so whenever the players at the table make a choice and get a consequence, the consequence needs to be something that they can deal with. They either can ask for help or can use a spell or can take a nap. <laughs> you know, maybe they just need to sleep it off. And they, they want to unattune from this weapon there's consequences, but then that's over. I think it's it's the it's the powerless factor that um, is the most frustrating. And as a DM, if you need to fudge rolls to get this you know over with, because it you can you know you can tell when your you players tell. you can yeah. tell you can pick up on that. So uh, if someone's not having fun, how can you get through this, or what can you give them or nudge nudge them? And the subtlety, I mean, that's DM tricks right there how can you how can you kind of nudge them to show hey you can get out of this you're not stuck in a corner this is this is what you need to do and maybe it's something you know the session ends that you do need to talk off offline or off game and say these are your options or what are you thinking that's i think the biggest is have the players say yeah. well, what are you thinking you you're cursed now what what are your what are you thinking how you do you think you'll get out of this and then have them give their options and then maybe one of those is work so and that's have the player give what they consider to be options so that you can find one that works within the what you have in mind not so you can meticulously plan how to block each no. option like, no. i feel like that's a really important distinction um yeah no, I, like being powerless for the sake of being powerless like being punished but not understanding what action you took to receive that consequence that's really hard that that is that contributes to that powerlessness um but like ultimately it's about like being in the story and also it's a game like it's a it's a game and you should be having fun yeah um yeah and i think that we have a lot of like offline when like when another player uh like rolled that 100 on the d100 and then ended up in the feywild uh but you guys knew where a portal was to get back home. Yeah. The rest of the party could get there. He found allies really quickly that he was able to work with. It made this whole like really fun side plot that like happened like at the same time. Um, that was definitely like, it was a consequence and it was something that he and I had agreed on in advance. And like, I, I just feel like there are a lot more like pieces that line up that make it fit a lot better. Um, versus just that like, oh, well, fuck you just to fuck you, I guess. Like, yeah, well, what would have happened if you, if he had rolled a 100, I know which character you're talking about. If they had rolled a 100, they'd gone to the Wild, and then you had said, oh, it only lasted 30 seconds or only lasted, you know, whatever. And you, they pop back in. 
I feel like, like cool. I can do that anytime. I had no consequences to anything at all. Yeah. No stakes. And it would kind of, it would cheapen it. Yep. There were, yeah. the stakes are gone. They're, they're gone. And what's going to stop that player from constantly doing that or that character from constantly doing that. So it's, I think when you, the, the character feeling powerless is when they're getting a consequence or they're getting a punishment and they haven't done anything. Yeah. They have, they, they, they just are being, they're existing. And all of a sudden they're getting punished, which you can have, you know, if you're not making active choices and stuff, there can still be things happening in the background. If, if your, uh, your inaction can cause. Oh, certainly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your character's inaction. If they refuse to go slay this dragon, it's gonna, you know, burn down the town. It's gonna wreak havoc. It's gonna yeah. destroy the town. Yeah. Yeah. But that was still a choice they made. Um, it wasn't the, this dragon burned down the town and there was nothing you could have done about it. Like, you know, just... We talked about this recently, and I think that was the exact example you used. That or um, something like the party goes through a town and decides not to stop it from burning down. And when they return, it's like ashes. You yeah. didn't save the town. Those people don't exist anymore. Versus going through, seeing there's a fire, sa- stopping yeah. it, saving these people. And now there are people to interact with. You have a traitor who maybe gives you a better deal than they would have in any other town. Like, they're like action reaction. And that's really hard to do as a DM when you have like an idea of what's going to happen next. And that's why, like, I would really encourage DMs to zoom out a little bit more, like, what, who are the players? Like, make it a little bit more um, character-driven as opposed to plot-driven. Because Absolutely, yeah, when absolutely. When your D&D campaign is plot-driven, that means that there are beats that are going to happen. Uh, and unless you're writing a choose-your-own-adventure and you're expecting this thing to branch out uh into this like crazy mass of web of options um you know you're you're really like that's too linear and that's when players feel railroaded so instead you should be looking at like there's this person they're trying to come into power for this reason here are the things they're going to try to do and how the players interact with these situations will impact the way that bad guy feels about them and how they go about their plan. Uh, I feel like having a singular source or like one group of people I like when capitalism is the enemy, (laughs) of course. Um, And that can still be character driven Um, because it's just like, what are these people within the system doing? Um, You know, how are, how are they impacting the group, the party? Uh, And then you can kind of like, and, and then you can make space for things like one character keeps saying that he likes meat pies. Great. Um, I'm going to make sure that there's a chef in this next town who's missing the ingredients he needs for meat pies and the party has to go out, fuck off and do like a little side quest. Great. That means that like that means that you've added more story based on what the players want to do. And they're going to be automatically more engaged because you're catering the story to fit what they want. Like it, it just works. Yeah. Yeah. It should be character driven hundred percent. Like it is character driven. You know, you have your plot points set wherever, but you're going to have to shuffle them based on where the characters go. Uh, and same with like the NPCs there. You could, if you were really wanting to like stick to your story a little bit more, your campaign that you built is instead of having uh, specific, they go here to this town and do this, and then that triggers this and that and that. Have uh, more of like a theme. You could have a theme that kind of makes everything cohesive. So, like you were mentioning capitalism, perhaps the regime or the kingdom 
they then the guards come to all these towns and tax everybody. So anytime they go to a town, there are these guards and they're taking tax. So it's like this constant pressure uh, and just a, a theme that they're having to sneak around a lot more because of these guards, or maybe they steal some of their armor and they want to use that to sneak in and, and just have that. They can go to any town, they can go anywhere, and that is happening. Um, and it's just kind of a theme. And that's like, say that's your ultimate goal is they need to stop this. Um, make something that's flexible and able to um, be kind of shifted around. So uh, with Curse of Strahd, uh, Lord <laughs> Strahd, can appear any moment, anytime. That's in the campaign. Anytime he can just show up or they can show up at your camp. They can show up after an encounter. They, it's like this constant presence. No matter where they go in Barovia, your characters are exposed to that final end boss. And I love that. I know that with like Ice Spire, it's that way with the dragon. Yeah, there's all like that looming presence, presence of the dragon. Right, that presence of a dragon. So if you're building a campaign, you could do that. You have a presence of, um, you know, helping you need to help the weak. You just, you can really see there's a caste system and balance in the world all the time. And while they're going and doing all these little quests or leveling up and that kind of thing, that is just happening everywhere they go. It's universal. And so it allows a little bit of structure to your story, but not so much that they're, they're railroaded, that they're cornered. You you mentioned Wizards of the Coast modules, which I I like. We we play a lot of them. It, our next campaign that we're writing uh, is going to be entire like one hundred percent homebrew. But I think the Wizards of the Coast modules are kind of a fun example of how a story, how a campaign can be character driven instead of plot driven. I know it seems like when the book's already drafted, how is there any room for character decisions? But like I think so, Waterdeep Dragon Heist that we started with um, is kind of a fun example because it's first of all you have four different villains to choose from, which is so fun. I love that. Um, but it's like uh, this stone, uh, the stone of Galore was stolen um, long ago. You know, someone has it. There is money in a vault somewhere, and there are four different villains. You could pick one. That one villain that uh, wants that money. And the party can kind of choose to engage with it or not. Uh, and things are happening around them. Like a fireball goes off and like that just happens around. Like that one is like on a on a timer. And it's very like if the players choose to investigate, here's what they find. And if they're just like, oh, I hate this town. We, we should leave. Uh, you know, they, they can. Mm -hmm. um, they find out what like each villain is up to. So we're using the Castle Lantern. So spoilers for uh, Hell of a Summer that cast the Castle Lantern thread of... Uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, but the you guys have just learned that uh, Victoria and Amalia, Amalia Castellanter have uh, made a deal that uh, they need that money from the vault and uh, they need to kill a hundred people in order to save the lives of their two children. Um, and then the party has to decide. Uh, we keep calling it like, oh, I love the D and D trolley problem because like the players have to decide, sacrifice two children or say which is like they're kind of on track for because you guys stole all the money from the vault or let a hundred people die. So these kids can live. And like, so the party gets to kind of make a decision. It's very character driven. And if they like never get this information, if they don't get there fast enough and something just happens, then this big, like, this mass death event happened in town and they're going to hear about it. And the players and their characters will have impacted the town because the, because of their inaction. Right. 
there's that like consequence again. And then yep. Dragon of Ice Fire Peak, there's this looming threat of this white dragon that we see everywhere and it's really wreaking havoc. And it's up to the players to decide we want to fight it or we don't. And there's like a lot of other stuff happening in that module. Uh, and then, of course, our DM is homebrewing so much of it that it's like really hard to tell where the module starts. And the homebrew- he's yeah. he's really good at it. So it's really hard. Like, is this a real character or did you make this up? Uh, it's like a little confusing, but I love that. Yeah. And it's such a fun way to run a story. And then it lets the the players decide what their characters would do and how they want to interact with stuff. And it's just like a really, it's, I just think it's a better way to, t- to shape the story. And it kind of is less pressure on the DM because like, I don't need to know what happens next session. I just need to know, here are some paths you might take. Roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. And like with Curse of Strahd, Barovia, the overall theme is how do you leave? You know, you're trapped in this mist world. How do you leave? They can go wherever they want, do whatever they want. Uh, you have the module lays out, I feel like, an overabundance of information. Uh, it's if there's, really dense. It's, it's not a very good dense. first time DM. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough stuff, I think. It is. Uh, but, like, for example, like Death House that you guys went through, every single room, I mean, that could have been a six, seven hour dungeon oh, yeah. crawl. Uh, and you guys bypassed the whole area and it was great. I'm so glad you did because it's why, you know, if you're, <laughs> you know, the, but they, the module does that. And any of the encounters, it gives you this room has this, this room has this, this. And it just, you're probably, your characters are going to, you know, players are going to miss most of that, but it just gives it all to you. And then uh, you take what you need and what you don't. Uh, and it's just, it's just an overabundance, which I feel like is great. Cause you kind of, it's like a security blanket a little bit. Uh, yeah. but I always, you know, before an encounter read through it real quick, kind of figure out what's important, what's not, and then make sure that you come across that important stuff. Uh, even if you bypass those rooms, um, just kind of lay it out there. But the, again, the overall theme is trying to escape, trying to escape Barovia and go home. And that unifies your characters together. That gives them a common goal. But it's not, uh, they still have to figure out a lot of things. They have to unravel the mystery of this place. There's just, it's, I think it's um, just a great example. If you're trying to build a campaign, have an overall theme uh, or goal and and make it kind of like very like specific, you know, escape Barovia. Period. Take down the capitalists. Take yeah. down, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Destroy the economy. <laughs> well... <laughs> Okay, okay, hone it in a little bit. Yeah, hone yeah, it yeah. in a little bit then. Yeah. This city, yeah, exactly. Um re, you know, reappoint a new king, the rightful heir to the throne. Yeah. Get them reallocate, back. Yeah. You know, this the infrastructure within the city in a way that <laughs> makes it fairer for everyone. Yeah. So, just make that specific and then everything else is just kind of fluid. And then the characters as a player, I wouldn't feel like uh, I would have that in the back of my mind, the constant pressure. I want to escape. And so every NPC I talk to, every interaction I do, anywhere I go, that's my ultimate. All my choices will lead to how do we leave? Oh, that's great. You gave me this item. How does that help me leave? And yeah. give me more information to tell me what do I, oh, I need to take it here. And then I need to do this. Okay. Where's that town? How do I get there? Where's the map? Everything is, is motivated by that one goal um, and then I think that just lessens the stagnation a little bit. Uh, I can't guarantee it won't, because I know <laughs> sometimes players are, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. 
Um, yeah. Sometimes they don't know and sometimes no. they tune out. Like sometimes they lose interest and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to make this more interesting or we need to figure out how mm-hmm. to can this mm-hmm. campaign. And that's where that, you know, that make your characters. Wow. That usually comes from, from my experience, uh, some sort of big lore drop or a secret spilled or, um, you know, explosion, I suppose, or coming, like coming back to town and the orchard's on fire, make something dramatic, uh, an instance of dramatic that makes your characters really pay attention. The ones that are kind of not paying attention will, will pay attention. Um, and as far as planning that, you're going to have to, you're going to have to know your campaign. You're going to have to know your characters. Uh, but I think if you can leave a little bit of clues along the way, and then they ask the right question, we were talking about the rewards. That's the time give that reward of that important lore or location of something um, because that's, that's the time. Then they're going to keep asking questions. In fiction, it's putting the gun on the table. And in D and D it's, um, it's when you put the big timer on the table, the big hourglass <laughs> and you just watch their faces. Now go ahead take your time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, As a DM, and you're, you're gonna, I know a lot of times you just do sit back. You let the character, that's the best, right? When the characters, the players are just interacting, talking back and forth. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And uh, you take some notes and, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, there is, I I don't want to say there's winning in D&D because I feel like it's the one game that there isn't winning. But as a DM, watching the players interact, work through something, that's winning. I I I feel... Yeah, you're, that's, you know, that's su- success. They're having a great time um, and, and they're immersed. That's that's winning. So even when they're rolling bad dice, because <laughs> you can't blame your dice, even <laughs> even in failure in D&D, still great storytelling. And that's still, it's like the one game that if you fail at something, it's still fun. It's, it can still be fun. It's still, it can still be fun. Still yeah, be yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for talking uh, today about, well, now I feel like it's winning. St- writing a story uh, that wows your player and is winning, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I, uh, I can't wait to implement these in our session. I feel like every time we talk about it, I'm just like, I can't wait to do this. But like, I do truly like we talk about this and I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's write some shit. Well, we're out of initiative, but we're going to back into it. So go roll some dice and tell some stories, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! Thanks for listening to Out of Initiative, a podcast from Merely NPCs. For more from Sarah and Morgan, visit MerelyNPCs.com or follow them on Instagram at MerelyNPCs.